Welcome to the Peas of Mind podcast, where we discuss all things vegetarian and vegan, from our discoveries to trends to tips on transition. I'm Sarah. And I'm Olivia. And today we are continuing our discussion of the history of USDA food guidelines. In our last episode, we talked about kind of where we are today and what might be coming in 2020 as the USDA and Department of Health and Human Services go over their guidelines. Um, if you haven't checked out that episode, please do. But well, episode today, 27. Yeah. And today we're going over kind of the hilarious history of how we got here in the U.S. <laughs> and boy, is it a journey. Yes. Um, I think in reviewing this, there are many patterns that emerge, but the most common thing I've noticed is that the graphics are almost never good. <laughs> Maybe <laughs> at the best visualization we've ever had. Absolutely. Hands down. I think my plate has really <laughs> knocked it out of the park and yeah, everything else before it is just, <laughs> yep. Garbage. Unfortunate. Anyway, <laughs> anyway, it's interesting because, um, you know, what surprised me most in reviewing the history of, uh, our food guidelines over time from the USDA and it's kind of shifted from originally only covering the foods you should eat to talking about foods you should moderate to then focusing now we're kind of trying to only emphasize the foods we should eat again and uh, not unsurprisingly at some at certain points there is like a focus on fitness nutrition and calorie recommendations over nutrients and now it's kind of reverting back to the nutrient focus that used to be back in the day so yeah it's a whole complicated history no one knows how to describe uh, accurately, or at least they've been stabbing at it for a long time <laughs> of what we should eat. So, and basically, and so basically for, they've also gone back and forth in terms of moderation. It seems to be this yeah. internal <laughs> struggle about whether or not to include sugars and alcohol as something they should mention and mention to say you should moderate it or because these are nutrition recommendations, if they should just leave it off completely because they shouldn't be recommending that you eat those at all. So. Yep. And there's also been mass confusion and hysteria about how to categorize food in general. Should they be categorized by their, uh, whether they're fruits and vegetables, should they be categorized by their color? <laughs> should they be categorized by how much of them you should eat? It's all been done. <laughs> so we'll leave that decision making up to you. But according to the USDA, the first published dietary guidance was in a farmer's bulletin in 1894, uh, is written by W.O. Atwater, who is the first director of the Office of Experiment Stations in the USDA. No idea what that means. <laughs> um, but he suggested diets for American males exclusively, unsurprising. And the content of protein, carbohydrates, and fats, which would sound pretty familiar to you today, and mineral matter. Don't know what that means exactly. Um, I guess minerals, specific minerals and vitamins hadn't been a thing at that time. Yeah, so maybe that's like before nutrients and before we understood. Like micronutrients yeah, of maybe. some sort. Um, but his research on food composition and nutritional needs kind of set the stage for what would later become the food guide by the USDA. And a food guide translates nutrient intake recommendations into food intake recommendations. So the types of foods you need to get those recommended protein levels, carbohydrates and fats. 
It also provides a conceptual framework to select the kinds of foods uh, which you should have to make a nutrient-dense and satisfying diet. So yeah, with that, from so he kind of laid the foundation, set the stage for the USDA's first official guide, which basically came in 1916. Yeah, and that guideline, interestingly, you know, sort of did a 180 from the focusing on just American males to really focusing on nutritional needs for children specifically. <laughs> um, and that uh, the nutrition guide focus seemed to have moved primarily from, yeah, from adults to children. And interestingly now, as we mentioned in the last episode, there are, they're making moves now to include infants and pregnant women in the 2020 revision of the dietary guidelines because up in it, they, that um, group of people has not been included thus far. So that, that evolution is fascinating as well. And so in the 1916 <laughs> version, foods were categorized first into, into five groups. We have milk and meat, cereals, which we had to look into a little more because that didn't make sense at all as a category. <laughs> like I wasn't sure if they meant grains, but yes, I think they, they're referring to grains because most people probably got their grains from cereals, and that also includes oatmeal, which I don't refer to oatmeal as cereal, but... But people do. People like apparently do. Like my grandmother, grandmother. <laughs> my grandmother, I was just telling Sarah this as we were prepping, uh, she exclusively would ask me when I would come visit her, oh, hey, uh, do you want some cereal? I'd be like, yes. And I was so excited. I thought I was going to get, like, you know, fruity pebbles, frost flakes. <laughs> and then she'd come in with, like, this oatmeal. And I'd be like, what? <laughs> down <laughs> huge letdown five-year-old me was very disappointed and confused but yeah this is just um a general term back in the day for like a lot of people had access to oats which they would make oatmeal which was called hot cereal so yeah we're just gonna say grains in general so that cereal category yes meant is really about grains and so, and the next one is fruits and vegetables lumped together in in one category <laughs> And then fats and fatty foods. And the last category, sugars and sugary foods. So, yeah, wow. Those are both called out as their own food groups, which... I, yep. Mm -hmm. it, it, we've come far. We've come very far. <laughs> Have we, though? <laughs> like, I feel like this is, fits with most people's, like, preferred diet today, so... True. Okay, that's a fair point. We've come <laughs> far in terms of our recommendations, in terms of what we're following. This might be a more accurate representation of, of the American diet, interestingly enough. There it is. Uh, and then in the 1930s, it's really interesting to see, like, across time, you can really see what was going on in the world was influencing how the nutrition recommendations were um, being shaped to the public. So the Food Guide was greatly influenced in the 30s by the Great Depression and economic constraints of what people could afford. So the recommendations were based on how often to buy food based on nutritional necessity rather than specific intake recommendations. And what I thought was crazy about this one was it was divided into 12 food groups, which is, I think, the most track of. of all of them. Uh, yeah. And it, oh, yeah, that's definitely the most. Yeah, and it created food plans at four different cost levels to help people shop for food um, and meet their nutrition recommendations. Um, it was interesting is the USDA notes that they still do this, actually, on their website. They provide guidance on selecting healthful diet at different cost levels Oh, in their, in their guidelines. And they kind of have this on my plate as well, actually. They show, like, 
what you need based on your personal Mm -hmm. um, health information to get a healthy diet. And they also have programs where they can help you look up ways to afford various nutritious foods. That's that's cool. That's really cool. That started way back in the thirties as a practice because so many people had trouble affording food. Mm -hmm. And so then in the 1940s, we transitioned to a guide to good eating. And this was, we, we then moved to seven food groups and (laughs) down from 12. Okay. So we're getting, we're getting a little smaller. We condensed it to seven and this was displayed in um, a color wheel. And interestingly, so this was part of the leaflet national wartime nutrition guide. So the basic seven was intended to help people cope with the lim- limited supplies of certain foods during the war. And the, the categories that, uh, the, the way they grouped foods just, just cracked me up for this one. So, so as I said, it's, it's in a color wheel format. So like, it's not supposed to show you how many, how much of each category to get because all the, you know, the color wheel sections are all divided evenly. And so our first category, we have green and yellow vegetables. <laughs> Next, oranges, tomatoes, and grapefruits. So they're really just lumping colors that look, or lumping food. They really are just like, they just went in for these colors. And then this is, this third one's my favorite. Potatoes, other vegetables, and fruit. Wow. Because those colors are similar. I was like, these are other things. And this is the blue category because they're like, well, nothing's blue. So let's just put it all in. (laughs) None of these, none of these are like have a unified color. So we'll just we'll just make it blue because no, no foods are blue. So it's fine. <laughs> uh, and then it moves to the fourth group is milk products. Fifth is meat, poultry, fish, and eggs. Six, we have bread, flowers, and cereals. But why aren't these in the white or the blue category? Cause it seems like they put some white foods in like the blue category. And then these are just their own thing on the color wheel. Yeah. This category is Brown. <laughs> So, okay. And I, yeah, because they're like, bread is brown. <laughs> <Let's go with laughs> that. Everything else is a variation of brown. White is sort of like brown, so let's put it in there. Okay. Well, I think it's funny they called out flowers because I, you don't just eat flour. Why is that? Like, you, yeah, I'm going to say that. goes into bread, so why is, why is it called out as a separate thing? I feel like that's like... So it came out of the National Wartime Nutrition Guide. It's probably a rations thing, ah, I feel, because they had that rations for flour mm-hmm. okay. in, in World War II. So maybe part of this could be that, but the color, the color categories are just uh, ludicrous. Anyway, I think continue. They, I will say this one is one of the – it doesn't make sense, but it is more visually appealing than a lot of the other ones. <laughs> it's like, colorful. It's colorful. Beautiful. And it's organized very well. The categories are just weird and, like, but – in terms of like it, 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 you can at least like read it in some sort of like sensical way. As you can read it. You can yes, read that's it. the standard. <laughs> Whether or not you can read it, yes, you will. You will understand once we get to the seventies why that's an important criteria. <laughs> yes. uh, the okay. bar is not high. <laughs> the bar is not high. Yeah. Okay. And so our final category is butter and fortified margarine. So. Again, that one to, makes more sense coming, you know, in the context of the time from, you know, being in wartime and, you know, people need to get fat. So, and I'm sure that was another <laughs> category of food that was rationed. So, yeah, I bet that's what it is because I'm sure yeah. at that point they're looking for like 
similar to the depression, caloric density. Exactly. So it may yeah. not be like as nutritious, but it is right. calorically dense. And if you're on rations, that's really what you're going for. So you don't start to death. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I do particularly enjoy that butter and fortified margarine are separate from everything else of, as a category yeah. to have every single day. I know. Um, yeah, and there's there's subtle war messaging on the well, not even not subtle war messaging. <laughs> on, you know, wheel. <laughs> it's you know, it says the U.S. needs us strong. So this is your this is the food that you need to focus on getting. And actually, my favorite part of the poster though is the very bottom. It finishes off with the phrase, "In addition, eat any other foods you want." So yep, I think that goes back to the theme of like just if you find calories, find something you can eat. That's great. That is good enough. <laughs> so yeah. yeah. A little loosey goosey with with actual recommendations in terms of health. Yeah, they were <laughs> they were cutting it fast and loose. Back then. <laughs> yeah, they really they were. had other priorities at the time. Clearly, <laughs> <laughs> that's true. <laughs> had to defeat fascism. So yeah, <laughs> guess nutrition gets like the bottom right bottom tier yeah, of priorities. Like, what food has calories? Let's put it in a pretty color wheel. <laughs> we'll oh wait, go. we don't have that many blue foods. Oh. <laughs> Just potatoes, vegetables, and fruits. <laughs> Whatever, it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> so then in the 50s, there's this kind of like paradigm shift, I guess, from the, you know, in the 30s and 40s, it's all about what foods are rationed, what foods you need to like meet your daily uh, minimum nutrition needs. Uh, calorie needs. Calorie needs, essentially. Um And in the 50s, you really have the first kind of shift towards um, food guide being related to fitness. And it had four categories, even simpler than the basic seven. Yeah, I think that's the that's the simplest category, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. No yeah, it's got had, down to three yet. So <laughs> yeah, and it's pretty entertaining. So it's meat, vegetables, and fruits are one category. Bread and cereal, another category. And then milk is its own category. Uh, and the guide recommended a minimum number of foods from each of the four food groups. Uh, and this food guide basically focused on getting enough nutrients. And it was widely used through the 70s, or through the 70s, which is like 20 years, the longest time that I've seen. Um, and it's kind of like just a little bit of a shift, more focusing on like what's actually nutritious according to what the information they had at the time. But then in the 70s, as they get into the later 70s, more and more research starts coming out about um, kind of links between certain types of food and various diseases. And so they start shifting the focus from obtaining the adequate nutrients to avoiding excessive intake of food components. So you kind of start seeing as you go through the 50s and more luxury starts building up in the U.S., you have you don't have the depression, you don't have these wartime rations, and they're starting to have issues of people eating too much and it leading to chronic diseases, you know, high cholesterol, heart attacks, heart disease, strokes, And as they get more information, the 70s, they developed the hassle-free daily food guide. And it is not hassle-free, but <laughs> whatever. I like that marketing, though. Just like, we made it so simple. We made it hassle-free. Look at it. <laughs> right. So if you look at this one from the 70s at any point, it's on um, 
my plate's history of the food guide. Which we will link in our, in our show notes. Yeah, you can see all the hilarious. beautiful graphics. You should definitely, I highly recommend going through and looking at all these graphics because we, we can't um, do it justice. <laughs> we truly can't. So like the one that lasted 20 years from the 50s to the 70s, the, just the daily food guide, the basic four, uh, was literally just a green pamphlet. And it has other colors happening. I don't know. It's like, it's just happening. There's nothing, it doesn't have anything to do with anything. The hassle-free food guide is just a pamphlet and it doesn't have any kind of real visualization other than breaking up the paragraphs with pictures of the food they're talking about. (laughs) Um, But it did have, what the difference was it added, in addition to the basic four, it added a fifth food group, which was fats, sweets, and alcoholic beverages, which was targeted at moderation. So this is the first time that we really see in the USDA's food guide, hey, these are foods that we know about and you should limit your consumption. And, it, and like I said, it was just kind of a shift, a fundamental shift from what had been the staple of solely recommending the minimum that you needed to be okay nutritionally. Um, and I don't know, I interpreted that as largely a symptom of society becoming more stable, more affluent, mm-hmm. and people get the diseases of society, as they call it. Well, then in the 80s, they kind of, uh, like, wow, we really need to, like, amp up the visual element of this. So far, it's just, like, a pamphlet. We had, had, like, a color wheel thing happening. So they went back to a wheel concept, but it's not a color wheel. Uh, It is divided into five food groups, and it is a hot mess. It is exclusively blue and pink and different shades of blue and pink. <laughs> and which I can't which we're theorizing it. is due to poor computer graphics. And, <laughs> <laughs> and then like, maybe that was all the colors they had available. <laughs> I don't know. If you look at this thing, it is the most 80s looking thing you've it's ever seen. So yep. it's, it, it just like hurts like, my eyes. It's, so, it's like neon almost. <laughs> this is trying way too hard. <laughs> It looks like a Jane Fonda exercise tape came to life in form of nutrition guidelines. Like that's <laughs> the best way I can describe it. Uh, and it's interesting because this like this is also really focuses on the foods that you shouldn't eat as well as the foods that you should. And it shows divide it divides the five categories into food groups, but it had like illustrations going on, um, and it had similar groups to the four food groups for fitness in the late 50s um but they kind of yeah i don't know it's just a bad graphic i don't know it's it's not good the recommendations are unclear and it apparently you know divides based on caloric intake within the food groups uh, on this pie chart of how much of each type of food within the group you should have based on the types of calories so for instance it divides grains into whole grains and enriched grains, which is just a lovely marketing uh, campaign for processed grains, very <laughs> processed grains. But it divides them perfectly evenly within the pie chart. It doesn't give specific uh, serving recommendations for each. So what you're supposed to derive from it, I don't know. It's, uh, <laughs> I don't mean to hate on the food wheel, a pattern for daily food choices but i'm a hate on it because it's bad visually it doesn't give clear information um 
Yeah. It has, like, it has like these dotted lines dividing within the regular yes, that's pie the, chart. Yes, that's, that's, that's the quote-unquote caloric yeah. like, intake recommendations, except it has nowhere in the illustration of how many calories of each you should have. Yeah. Just like these mystery lines happening. And I can't say it gets terribly better from here for a while. Um, but I mean, the interesting part, portion of this is that it illustrates concepts of variety and moderation and proportion within the pie chart or tries to. And I think that really gets applied more stringently in the nineties. Yep. Absolutely. Which yes, I'm moving to the nineties. This is what most people will be familiar with in terms of uh, their food guide knowledge. So as many people know, so the food guide pyramid came out in 1992 and was in place until 2005. And, and from there, we'll sort of, we're kind of, we're lumping the two pyramids together here because just because we're all pretty familiar with both of them. So to highlight kind of the main differences between the two. And so my pyramid was, came out in 2005 and was in place till 2011. So the biggest differences were, so one thing that most people probably noticed is that the newer one, my pyramid incorporated uh, physical activity for the first time in nutrition guidelines with the with the graphic of the person running on the side of the pyramid up the stairs. <laughs> um, yeah, and and my pyramid was actually intentionally made a lot simpler, um, which which that yeah, is, and so it doesn't have like any food graphics on it. It's just the pretty colors and the triangle. Like it looks really nice. It's just not that informative, I don't think. Um, but they made it simpler because USDA studies were showing that people were really like just widely misunderstanding the original design, the original food guide pyramid from the 90s in terms of what the, the portions of things they were supposed to be eating. Right, which to clarify the like, so the 90s pyramid, I'm stepping in for my 90s food guide pyramid right now because <laughs> my pyramid messed me up when I was in elementary transitioning to middle school. <laughs> and we had, I just remember specifically having to relearn this in science class and being super bitter like what they just changed this whole thing on me it makes no sense I don't know what foods are in these groups because there's no pictures and <laughs> I really needed that at 11 years old okay but <laughs> in the original food guide pyramid from the 90s it was supposed to be the reason they chose a pyramid shape was because it would show you what you should have the most of and stack it up to the least which kind of makes sense right like the most the largest food group that you should have the most of, which hilariously is labeled as like cereal, pasta, bread, and something else instead of just, you know, grains. But, uh, and then the least at the top being like sugars, fats, oils. And that kind of like made sense to me intuitively as a young child. Mm -hmm. And then they're like, you know what we're gonna, we, we need to do? We need to take this pyramid and we need to put a pie chart in it. <laughs> and I hated it. I just still and make all the categories it. vertical. Yeah. <laughs> and I still hate it. It's, it made no sense. <sighs> I don't understand how they literally said this makes more sense intuitively. Like what oh, groups yeah. of people are you testing? No, no. Okay. I want to know. <laughs> I, I like, I'm very, I'm very angered by this still. It's like so <laughs> trauma. Clearly. Well, What's funny is like it, so the other big difference between the two pyramids was that the food guide pyramid gave one set of dietary recommendations for everyone. It was like, mm. this food guide pyramid is for everybody. And then my pyramid has 12 sets of possible recommendations. So essentially like 
the my pyramid graphic is just the graphic to say it, it's just like the icon that they were mm-hmm. like okay mm-hmm. okay this is the icon but you have to go to our website and plug in your um your gender age group and activity level to get your actual recommendation so that's why the like it's not very informative on the face of it at all because it's not a one size fits all recommendation that they're going for it's encouraging you to go on their website to then get your recommendation so because yeah like it's the the categories are not easily well, understandable in terms of how not much have us, supposed to eat. They did not have us do that in 2005, so I was trying to derive my information from the visual that was yes. in my textbook suddenly, and I was very upset. Yes, critics found have found my pyramid to be very overly complicated and difficult or impossible to teach. <laughs> so, you know, just like its entire purpose has been has been criticized for it not because it doesn't meet that purpose well so that's great yeah but it sounds like they basically kept the pyramid design to like retain their branding and recognition because as you've seen you know these are not um these these graphic updates and these usda recommendation updates are not consistent they don't have there's they have no um no. they're not required to put them out in they're not required to update them or put them out in every certain amount of years like it's just kind of been random and with the times in terms of what made sense for them to share. So yeah, this, yep. they were like, we, everyone knows, everyone knew the food guide pyramid. Like but did they, very like, recognizable. I think so. I, I feel think, like the original one, yeah. like the black, the black original food guide pyramid. Well, it's, it was, it was highly recognized by most Americans mm. at the time they were considering the, my pyramid updates. So I think they were like, we need to retain our recognition and branding <laughs> here so that, but we need to throw a pie chart in it. But now we need to throw a pie chart in it and make it like very vague because it's not a recommendation for everybody. So we need to make them go to the website to get their actual personalized recommendation. Yeah. See, I, that totally flew over my head conceptually. As yeah. Well, it, yeah. It's it's way hard. It's way more complicated. Yeah. They definitely they really overcomplicated it in terms of its execution and usability. I see what they were going for, and you know what? They tried to keep. I think they also tried to keep the brand recognition and retain their styling when they did the my plate as well because it's the same color scheme mm-hmm. at the lead at you yeah. know it's got the my in it so it's customizable and uh exactly i exactly. do think the latest one is the most intuitive just oh for sure it's by far the best sense. it is vague somewhat until you go on their website as well mm-hmm. so it has retained that weakness i think but mm-hmm. But I think, I mean, for it to be like a, a visually capturing graphic where you can get some information from it, but like it, they can't put that much on it. No. Otherwise it becomes too much so fast. Like it still needs to be an icon-like thing, I think, for yeah. it to be a usable graphic. And yes, of course. So all of these have, you know, documents that support them in terms of what the actual recommendations are. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, I think, yeah, it's it's a fine line to walk in terms of, Yes, intuitive and yeah, exactly. But accuracy also. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so my plate is the is the current uh, USDA graphic that came out in 2011, and this was announced by Michelle Obama, and she played a huge role in its development, and it was conceived as part of her campaign against obesity, and its its design was to remind us about the basics of a healthy diet. So I think that turn to, okay, we really just need to focus on the basics and not get nitty gritty in the graphic about what you need, all the details. You know, it's 
it's all about the basics. And it was, it was re received really well as a big improvement on the pyramid. And I think Olivia and I both agree with that because the yes. pyramid was just way too abstract and confusing the my, the, my pyramid specifically. So, but you know, the food guy, the original one too was not awesome. No, like, no. In, in reviewing it, I looked at it again and I was like, okay, so this bottom food group is just like everything else <laughs> that's not in the top foods. So we can all eat pasta all the time. Yes. <laughs> and yes. some fruits and veggies. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Yeah, the My Plate one is, is great. So if you haven't seen it, My Plate is divided into four sections um, and it's basically about 30% grains, 40% vegetables. Um, well, okay, so this is the actual recommendation. This is not the distribution of the plate. 10% fruits, 20% protein, and then it is, there's a little circle next to it to represent dairy, and which the recommendation is like a glass of milk or a yogurt cup or something. But it's pretty much the four categories just pasted right on the plate. And Michelle Obama said at its unveiling, you know, parents don't have time to measure out exactly three ounces of chicken or to look up how much rice or broccoli is in a serving, but we do have time to look at our kids' plates. As long as they're eating proper portions, as long as you are, you know, on their plate, you know, half their meal is fruits and vegetables alongside some lean proteins and some grains and low-fat dairy, then we're good. It's as simple as that. So I do appreciate that approach to simplifying um, the recommendations into something that people can actually follow, because I think that's, that's a big critique of the, of the ones from everything else, that everything else, <laughs> all the other ones. It's, yeah, it's, I, I don't know that it was actually helpful in, in encouraging people. Well, you know, I will say this, though, and something I just noticed in looking at this, this is kind of a return to the basic four with slight modifications, right? Yeah. So the basic four originally had meat, vegetables, and fruits as their own category, singularly bread and cereal and milk, right? So now we have fruits and vegetables separate. We have grains to represent bread and cereal. And then instead of meat, we say protein, Right. And then we still have milk on the side. So really it yeah. is kind of uh, a return to what was the staple for over 20 years in the mm -hmm. United States between the 50s and the early 70s. Um, just with a little bit of relabeling what constitutes like meat is no longer its own category. It's part of a protein category, mm -hmm. which I think is reflective of growing research um, about the benefits of plant based diets and getting your protein from other sources. And, you know, I think it, it's kind of nice to see that it's, you know, at least they didn't label it the hassle-free daily guide to food or you know, that was called. <laughs> the hassle-free plate. <laughs> <laughs> right. And it's, it's visual is a lot simpler it's than great. what was yeah. the basic four. Um, but it does seem like we're kind of, in a way, returning to solely recommending what you need in your diet instead of also trying to recommend what to moderate in a sense. And they do give yep. some details. And we talked about this in our previous episode about what you shouldn't have a ton of in their breakdown of nutritional recommendations, but not in their visual for mm -hmm. your food guide. Exactly. So yeah, I like it though. It's, it's simple. It's easy. It matches a visual that we see every single day. Um, unlike anything else before it. I can <laughs> confidently say that. The yes. visual is the simplest that you'll see. And the most practical. And mm. the most practical. Always. Easiest for you to use, you know. Um, I think, and at its heart, 
that's really what a good visual should do, mm-hmm. right? A visual, I think a lot of them, as they tried to rejig and make uh, more clear what the recommendations were, they kind of tried to jam pack it all. Yeah, into they just overcomplicated it. Exactly. And it got crazy. So it's nice to see that we've kind of scrapped that a little bit. And some of that might be information availability as well. You know, yeah. as we become, we're able to access information more immediately. You know, we aren't <laughs> solely, we aren't solely relying on the USDA's publication in a farmer's, what was it, a farmer's guide <laughs> yep. to inform us in every year. To get all of our information bulletin. from it. Yeah, exactly. So some of that is a product of we don't need it all displayed to us as mm-hmm. one, at once as well. Yep. And as we mentioned in our last episode, we will both be curious to see how the um, U.S. dietary guidelines change in 2020, which again, won't necessarily affect this graphic unless they choose to change it because these don't have to come out in any certain any certain amount of years. Um, but for example, if, as we saw with the Canadian guidelines, they've removed dairy, dairy is still a prominent component on this graphic. So if, you know, I have no idea what's going to happen in 2020 in terms of the American guidelines, if they will touch dairy at all. But if for some reason that goes away or is reduced, you know, it'll be interesting to see how that might affect the my plate graphic. It would yeah. be, it would be an easy element to remove just like Toss the cup away. Just <laughs> or, <with> the plate. <laughs> or, you know, label it differently. We could say... Yeah, it's what like a, water. Yeah. It's like it's drink water. Fluids. Fluids. <laughs> <laughs> that would be really funny if they're like, nope, we got to include... It has to be able to include dairy, but it has to be able to include things that aren't dairy. Fluids. Yes. If this, if this historical <laughs> overview has Healthy nothing else, if this historical overview has taught me nothing else, it's that if they can broaden and complicate at the same time they may like they probably will yeah. we'll see <laughs> we'll see well we want to hear from you guys uh are you old enough to remember the food guy pyramid or the food wheel or <laughs> any of these other ones that i had never heard of before we did the research for this episode um, you can email us at peace of mind podcast at gmail.com or dm us on twitter or instagram at peace of mind pod for both and if you're enjoying our show, please let us know. Leave us a rating on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to our lovely voices. Thanks so much for listening, guys. We'll catch you next time. Peace out.